what I want to do today is, is to just say, I wanted to say a few more things about the Lord and, and what I see him doing. But I did not, I, I didn't want it to be on my preaching time, but it, it should be a part of my preaching time. So let us recognize that the Lord is doing something great uh, in the world and in our midst. When I was a boy, I grew up, I grew up in a place called Palestine, Texas. Uh, when I want to, uh, you know, endear myself to uh, Middle Easterners, I tell them I'm from Palestine. <laughs> so, uh, but I grew up there, and the train was a big deal. It was a big deal when I grew up. I mean, trains went all over, and, I, and the Missouri Pacific train came through our place. I, my dad, our, da our dad worked, worked there. He was also a pastor. He was also a farmer. He was just... He was just always a hard worker. And, uh, but that, the, the thing that blessed me so much about the, well, a lot of things blessed me about the trains, but I remember when they would say, all aboard, and that whole train started to choo, choo, choo. And when it started to go down, people, people oftentimes running, but they couldn't get on board. I, 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 I don't want that to be you. I, I, there's some things that God's, does and he allows you time to get on board. He may even stop and let you come up, catch up. But I sense strongly that where we're going in God, you're not going to have an opportunity for that. You, you, you have to understand the Lord and do things his way. It's not that God is not a tyrant, but God is a good father. And a good father won't let you do whatever you want to do. And so, so let us together my heart for you is, is, is so big, and God has enlarged it. There were times when I, 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 I guess I, I could almost say I, I loved you too much. You know, I, I could almost say that. It, wasn't, it can't be that you can love somebody too much, but it was almost like that. My heart and our heart is to see everybody prosper in the Lord and do great in the Lord, all right? So listen to what God is doing and sense where he is. You can never do God's will your way. You must do God's will his way. Amen? So I'm going to share here with you today. Um, my subject is Romans chapter 6. All right? But I'm going to read through the last portions of chapter 5, starting in verse 12. I'm going to read it. I don't think I want to share as much as I did in the first service, um, but I, I want to talk about it. Let me, let me give you a definition for sin. Uh, sin, we have often uh, said that sin is missing the mark, and I think that when we leave it, it, it is missing the mark, but it's like the mark is 10,000 miles wide, 10,000 miles uh, high, 10,000 miles deep, and we miss it. Oh, it ain't nothing. I just missed it. You know, that's huge. That's a big miss. And so if, when we see the gravity of missing the mark, I think we'll understand how horrible sin is. Sin in the Greek is, uh, we've often in America called it harmasha, harmasha. Uh, but the, I think the, the Greek pronunciation would be like hamartia, hamartia. And, uh, and so, but it's not important. The, the main thing about sin is it means to be without a share in. A definition, to be without a share in. So what we're saying is you, you don't have a share in the kingdom of God. You don't have a share in eternity because of sin. You're excluded. 
Now, can you imagine if we were selling stock here and, um, and everybody could have uh, a share in a particular company and, and uh, you'd say, well, I don't want that. You know, pastor's always talking about something. Let's get out and go eat something. You know, and you leave your share. And, but those shares, uh, each share becomes like $100 million. And, then you, and, and, and well, we've already closed out the giving out of the shares. And you come for your share and you crying and weeping. I'm like, you used to be in here and you were always putting out the citronella candles when the mosquitoes were out. And, and uh, you know, you were always here to help put up the chairs after the meals. Your tears can't get you a share because we've gotten rid of all the shares. So when you talk about not having a share in something, that's, that's really big. That, that's grave to say that you have no share in my kingdom. That's what sin does. You have no share in my kingdom. And so it also means to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor. So there's no honor for sinners. No honor. It means to do something or to do wrong or go wrong, to wander from the law of God, to violate God's law. You're a lawbreaker. That is, you, you do, go against God's rules. And it's a it's also a, a violation. It means a violation. You have violated God, a violation of the, God's divine law in your thinking or in your deeds. All right? So sin is really grave. It's not simple. You know, people say, well, I don't know. Everybody's sin. Like, like it's a, that's something to brag about. You know, sure, we, we sin, but we don't like it. It's like if I walk in a, uh, I'm walking down a, a road or a path way in the woods and enjoying my wood, my woods, and then suddenly I slip and I fall into a mud puddle. I don't like it. I don't go, ooh, that's wonderful mud. <laughs> you know, no, I, I, I hate it. So it, it's not like when we sin, the Bible doesn't say when you sin, no, it's if you sin, you have an advocate. So God doesn't have an expectation of you sinning every day like some preaching says you do. God, it's not God's expectation. We're different people. Now, let me read this quickly because I see myself going somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Romans 5, verse 12. Let me just read it. And, and you soak it up, all right? Therefore, just as through one man's sin into the world, death and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all its sin. All right? In verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. It's not charged against you when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. So Adam was a type of Christ, and so what you will find in the Bible compare, contrasts them. Mostly, mostly, contra mostly contrasts them. Adam, God gave him everything. He gave it all away. He lost it to, because he sinned against God. He disobeyed God. And... Uh, and Adam is the federal head of, of, of a mankind or a mankind. He's a federal head. But Jesus is the federal head of the new mankind. And so Adam failed. Jesus succeeded. Adam sinned. Jesus didn't sin. So you can see the contrast. And so you and I were, were first a part of Adam's family. Now Jesus has made us a part of his family. Now, if you, somebody leaves here and says, I don't care what the pastor says. Everybody's saying don't you listen to them. And, and, and if you're eating lunch with them, say, I don't, you move over there. 
Yeah, yeah, get away from him as fast as you can. So listen, so this is what Jesus wants us to understand. He want, Adam caused all of us to be sinners. We talked about that in that all of us were in Adam when he sinned. I know that's a hard concept for some people to get. But I gave you the example that in a situation that my father and his family found himself in when he was 19 years old, it was a very, very serious situation. But, and if he had died when he was 19, uh, I would not be here. Nor would, would, would my, my family, my children, my grandchildren. We wouldn't be here, right? Jesus, Jesus now, so, so, so when we say that, um, let me go back. When, so when we say that we all sinned, we did. Just like you wouldn't be here if your father or your mom had died whenever, when they were uh, teenagers or young people, you wouldn't be here. And so, so what God wants us to understand is that in a very similar way, we are now in Christ, even though we were not born. This is the wisdom of God. But let me go back to 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not. Did I read that? Yes, I read that. He says, verse 15 says, but the free gift, that is uh, the grace gift. So the free gift of grace is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So, so, God, so God, we, we're talking about two manys. You know, the many that are unrighteous is, is, uh, is all. It's universal all. The many that God talks about is a, that, that are in Jesus is a qualified many. Okay? It's a qualified many. And then the all, when the Bible talks about the all, is talking about a universal all for the world, but it's talking about a qualified all for the believers. Is that clear? You, I'll make it more clear later there. Okay, so he says, um, verse um, 16 says, and the gift, that is the gift of righteousness now, is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which comes from many offenses, which came from many offenses, resulted in in justification. So then what we find here is like the judgment which came from the offenses resulted in condemnation. But the gift, that is the free gift of grace, came, it resulted in our justification. Because before our faith, there was grace from God to have faith. So every one of us is not here because we suddenly met some mysteriously had faith, and the guy next to us couldn't get it, but somehow we got it. It was grace that gave it to you. The grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, God just did it. Not like God is saying, I like you. See, when you own everything, everything is yours, you can do with, with it what you want. And you have not done unrighteously. So when God chose you, we want to, even some people say they're saved, will say, well, I don't understand how God could save me and not the person next to me. Boy, be glad you're saved. You're trying to worry about God's business. You can't even understand all of your business yet. You see, it's God. God's righteousness can choose whom, whomever he pleases. You know, if I, if I were to have, say, $100, or let's say $1,000, well, I could say $100, in my pocket, and I were giving $10 out, and somebody said, well, he didn't give me one. 
I've done you no wrong. That $100 is mine. And I could give you 10, whomever I wish, $10. I've done you no wrong. So God has done no sinner wrong by choosing you. All right. There's, other, there's a parable, too, of the workers in the vineyard. Remember that one? You know, everybody's mad at the owner because, he, because he's good. Well, he, he, we've been working all day. Well, you, you agreed to work for a, a denarius a day. You agreed to work for a denarius a day. You didn't tell the man you wanted a bonus. You were glad to get a day's wages. And so at the end of the day, when he gave everybody the same, you know, He's wrong, man. I shouldn't have come here in the first place. No, no. You got what, you, what you, he owed you. He could do with what he, it was his any way he wanted to use it. He could do it. All right? So, so let's, let's go on. So what God did was by his own volition and his own will, he justified you because you had faith in Christ Jesus. That's so big and so huge. Let's look at verse 17. For if... By the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign through the one, Jesus Christ. And reign means to be king. So God is saying, I've saved you to like rule over things, to exercise kingly power, to, to, to reign as a king would reign. So when you are in life and sin brings itself to your door, he said, no, reign over it. You know, be, be like a king. You can say, go. But we don't just say go. We get go in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. You, know, you can use words like that. Verse 18 says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Now, that all men is the universal law. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. That's a, that's a qualified all resulting in justification of life. And I've said this so many times, but I'm going to say it again. The universalists just get it wrong. Don't follow them. Don't follow them. You don't hear me saying that a, a lot, but don't follow people. I don't say don't follow the Baptists, don't follow the Methodists, don't follow the, the Pentecostals. I don't say that. But I do say these, these cultish places, just don't follow them because, because you can't say, uh, contrary to Scripture, that the devil's going to be saved, Hitler's going to be saved, Mussolini's going to be saved. Well, why go to church? You know, why suffer the way we suffer? Because many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. Come on. Yeah. Excluded. Treated maliciously. No, no, no. So, so the, the qualified all means those who are in Christ, those who give themselves to Jesus Christ. Okay. So the many that are made righteous have been constituted as righteous. They stand constituted as righteous. It, it's not going to ever change. And when we talk about the offense, we're just talking about the fall and, and uh, uh, the fall of man uh, against God, the, the uh, d disobedience and rebellion against God. Verse 20 says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned, ruled in death, even so grace might reign, rule through righteousness. So if you're, if you're not, you're walking unrighteously, you're not ruling. You're not reigning as a king. So then we want to walk righteously. And, and if you're here today and you found it hard to walk righteously, this is what you can do to help. You can seek God's face, become a diligent seeker of God. You can read the Bible and do whatever it says. Don't try to twist it to be what you want it to be. And then you can come to church often. 
and be around brothers and sisters and hear the Word of God, you'll change. If you've struggled, you'll change. Now, some people like their struggle. They like sinning and then crying and getting forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, stop that. Okay, let's look at, at, at uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. It's talking about being uh, dead to sin but alive to God. That's a very good, powerful concept, idea. You, can, you, while you live, are dead and alive. You're dead to what you were and alive to what you are. You know, that's amazing. And, and I don't want you to think too long and hard, but can you imagine some of the craziest stuff that you've done, some of the damaging stuff you've done, some of the hurtful, yeah, I, I, thank you, I'm going to come on now. All that pain that you caused people, and God forgave you of all of it, and he doesn't throw it up in your face. He said, I want you to be dead to that stuff. And since God owns everything, he can forgive whomever he wills. Yeah, he can give for whom. So, so if God forgave you and you mistreated me, and God's blessed you and forgiven you, I don't have to be mad at you or God, because God has forgiven me too. Amen. We don't have any reason to be jealous. And so uh, uh, to be dead is a, is a Greek word. I call it nekros. Nekros, N-E-K-R-O-S. It's one that has breathed his last. It's lifeless. To be lifeless, to, to be deceased. Um, it also says destitute of life. That is, you, you're bankrupt. You have no life. Destitute of life, without life, inanimate. So you become like a rock on the ground. You're inanimate, uh, destitute of life that recognizes and is devoted to God. So you can be dead in the sense that, you know, naturally dead, those definitions I just read. But then this is spiritually dead in that you're, um, you, are, you are destitute, you're broke, you don't have a penny of life, nothing that recognizes God or is devoted to God. Yeah, you have nothing. You're inactive in respect to what is doing right. You've been deactivated. You're living a deactivated life. You can't do what is right. You know, it's destitute of, of, of the power to walk or to do anything. And so then it comes from a word called nekros, like N-E-K-U-S, nekros. It means a corpse. So can you imagine there are people walking around like corpses? They're, yeah, they're, they're like dead while they're uh, alive walking, totally dead, destitute of, of, destitute of God, have no understanding of it. So you're talking to them, you are shocked that they don't grasp. They're dead. And this is what they need. They need us to pray for the grace of God to come. Just the grace of God. When the grace of God comes, the dead person now, wait a minute, there's a God. I, you, you've been around people like that, there's a God. I've seen... Guys who were just bad guys. I've seen bad, I've seen bad guys, bad guys. And the next time you see them, they're saved. Ooh, that's, it's such a blessing. Some of those, the worst people that you've ever known, and I've known, preaching the gospel. Oh, Lord. Preaching the gospel. And sometimes those, and some of those guys were inventors of evil. And now they're running faster than those of us who never went that deep into sin. Come on. Que lastima. Que vergüenza. What a shame. What a pity. 
Now, now listen, so Paul is saying, I gave you that because I want you to be thinking about verse 1 in, in chapter 6. He said, what shall we say then? Okay, we got to talk about that, Paul. said, what shall we say then? He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because where grace came, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And some of these people were so fallen that they thought, well, hey, let's go in sin. Wow. That's when I want to use my other Spanish word that I know, cachetadas. They, they, they need some cachetadas, some slaps. You know, like wake up, you know? No, Paul says in verse 2, he says, certainly not. You're like, like shall we continue in sin? The grace may abide. So Paul asks this question because I'm saying that. And so Paul uh, presupposes what others are going to say. And he says, certainly not. I prefer the King James in this case. He says, God forbid. God forbid. How shall we, now this is very potent, very potent. How shall we who died to sin? Now he's talking about you, you receiving Jesus. That was a transaction that God gave in a sense in that God, when you said yes to God, now I've talked about don't have a transactional relationship with God. That's not what I'm talking about in this case. But, but that is like, God, God, I'll do this if you'll do that. That's, that's nutty. But when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, God took you in, and there was a process that God went through for you. You didn't see it, but it was a spiritual process, and that process cannot be undone. I, I, I mentioned between services, to, I think it was Pastor Stan I, was, I mentioned, I was thinking about titration. You know, when, when I was working in the oil field, we, we, we had some chemical things we had to do, and we, would, we, we had a solution. We had this titrate that we would put these little drops into this solution, and then there was a breakover. Now, you chemists, guys, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, am, am I using fairly good words? Yes. Not yet? Nah. I was looking at you. <laughs> I think I'm going, somebody said I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> oh, he thought I was talking to Dr. Carlene. She left after the first year. So anyway, when it breaks over, the solution changes. It doesn't go back to what it was. It, it, it's totally something new. And this is what God did for us. He broke us over into something new. That's why I'm appalled at people who want to argue that they or the devil can take them from God. Mm -mm. Paul says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So the, 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 question, the answer would be, we can't live any longer in it. That's what he wants you to say. We can't live any longer in it. I wonder how many of us in the house today would say, we can't live any longer in it. You're not convinced because you didn't say anything. And we can have another altar call. Because you've got to be convinced of this. As you walk in the world, you've got to be convinced. I can walk into this world and not be of this world. I can walk in victory while I see everything falling down around me. That's what you've got to know that. You've got to know that or stay at home. Verse 3, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So the answer should be yes, but many of us don't know that we were baptized into his death. And that's what God supernaturally did by the, by the Holy Spirit. He took us when we said yes to God and he baptized us into Jesus. Let me give you my example. I've given it to you a few times, but let me give you to the example. My mom used to can. In the summer, there was plenty of plenty of food, and mom would can, but she didn't use cans. She used mason jars. And uh, she would 
one of the things I, she can many things, but she can uh, make pickles, you know, and she, she took cucumbers and she made a solution, a vinegar solution, and I think maybe apple cider vinegar, uh, I don't know, some kind of vinegar, and she made this solution, uh, put spices in it, and she took the cucumber and put it in the, the, the hot pickle uh, vinegar, screwed the lid down very good, got a good seal on it, and put it away. The purpose was not for it to remain a cucumber. The purpose was for it to be, become a pickle, something new. It looked like an old cucumber, but it was something new and better for me. Listen, what happened? So my mom put that in there. The idea of, of the pickling process is so that the pickle, the cucumber rather, would be inundated, baptized into the vinegar, and all that it was baptized in would enter it and totally change who it, is, who it was or what it was. Amen. So that's the idea of God. God, you are so wise, Dad, Father. You are so wise. He took us and he baptized. And, and I, I don't say anything about, you know, putting some water on somebody and says, you're baptized. Because if I were on my deathbed and I, was, and I wanted to be baptized, and they said, well, well Don, we can't put you in the, in the pool. You're too sick. You're too weak. I said, put me in the bathtub. You're too tall. I say, sprinkle me then. Or take a, a bucket, of, a pitcher of water and pour it all over me. Just get me baptized. I mean, I think it's okay. I'm not arguing whether somebody does that or dabs you. I'm not arguing that. But I like the idea of immersion because it shows the idea of you and I being one thing and going down and coming up something else. Hallelujah. And so that's how we were baptized into Christ. The, the, the other baptism, is, it, it shows us what happened. It shows us what God did. And let me hurry. I'm spending a little bit too much time here. Okay. But it shows us. Every time Pastor Bert takes somebody back, I, I've said to him, Pastor Bert, you know, kind of take your time there, man. You know, years ago, Pastor Bert, man, I appreciate me saying this, but way, way back, I say, Pastor Bert, some of these people just so bad, I want you, yes, we need to hold them under a while. I was just, I, I was just having a little fun, I, I was having a little fun with, you know, and man, the first time Pastor Bert, Bert, Bert baptized somebody, I said, can we pull them up? <laughs> we can't have somebody drowning over here. But anyway. Anyway, he, when every time Pastor Bert baptizes somebody, he's showing us what's happened to all of us. We were one thing. We came down. Somebody said, no, they were just wet. No, no, because the idea of it is that God, listen, God has not pulled us out of the solution. See, Christ is the solution with which we have been baptized, in whom we have been baptized. Christ is the solution. So now, now let's just say the Father wants to take you with his two fingers and pull you up. He may have gotten you in one sense out of the, the solution, but the solution is so in you that it oozes out of you. That's true. I, you know, the pickling process is just so beautiful there. Hallelujah, somebody. And so what he did was he baptized us into Christ's death. 
into Christ's death. So Christ's death is there for the old man I used to be. Stop trying to be like you always been. Stop saying stuff like, this is where I always was, you always been. I mean, I'm no pretender. Well, you, ought to be, you, you don't have to be a pretender once you've been baptized. Maybe you, maybe you haven't been baptized. Can I preach like I feel it? Y'all know why I'm sitting here, right? Let's look at verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him. Buried with him through baptism into death. Into death. Everybody under the sound of my voice who belongs to Jesus, you died. Everybody, you died to what you were. The cucumber has changed. It's not called a pickle. It's now called pickle. What did I say? You can get too excited up here. <laughs> yeah, but it's now called pickle. I just think that y'all didn't understand my East Texas accent. Okay. Okay, so, so he says, therefore, as a result of what God did, we, are, we were buried with him. And I notice when I say we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead. Now, that's powerful. Jesus was what we call graveyard dead. Jesus on that cross was graveyard dead. You know, so I met a Muslim guy who says, said that, oh, he wasn't dead. You know, he was just passed out. I said, boy, read the Bible. There was a Roman soldier, probably been a naughty boy from his childhood, stuck him in the side, and out came blood and water. All of his blood left. Wasn't, wasn't passed out. He was dead out. Dead. And so you and I, like Jesus was, in reality dead, you and I were, are dead to that. We were baptized in his death. Now, the purpose of God, not just letting you be dead, he had to put you in the solution. Right? What is Jesus the source of every blessing? Solution. He's the solution to every problem. Yeah, solution. So he is the solution that changed everything. And so when, when you are baptized in the solution, God now wants to use us for solution. This is, this is the purpose of it. And, more, and let's do that. Let's walk in that. Now listen. So he says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also we also, or we like Jesus, should walk in newness of life. This is what he's saying to us. Jesus, when Jesus got out of the grave, Jesus was not, not a Jewish carpenter. Jesus was not the same as he was before. Jesus became... The first fruit of a new mankind. The first fruit of a new mankind. So Adam was the federal head of the old mankind. Jesus is the federal head of the new mankind. Adam caused his mankind to fall into sin and condemnation. Jesus is mankind, has eternal life forever and ever. 
Amen, somebody. So the newness of life in which we are to walk is a new state of life which the Holy Spirit places us in so as to produce a, a, a new state. It's a new state of life, and we produce a new state which is eternal life. This is what God has done in us. So we are to produce. We are to now to be producers. We are to talk to people as people who have arisen from the dead. When Jesus, Jesus now seated, seated on the throne of God is the first fruit of a new mankind, everybody. He is the, we don't have to become Jewish, as it were, to belong to God because we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Amen. So, Let's talk about, uh, let me talk about uh, the being baptized into the Spirit. Oh, my. Oh, my. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Let me say a few words, then I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to run because I want to do something else. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by one Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Wow. 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 Where, listen, where the Jews... Are Greeks, whether slaves or free, doesn't matter where you came from. You're a new creation. Nobody in here is better than anybody. Somebody, somebody said to me, "Well, you're the pastor." I say, "Yeah, I'm a brother who is a pastor." I don't mean brother in the slang way. I, I, I mean, one of Jesus' people. I'm, a, I'm a, your brother. I'm a brother. I know what it's like to have older brothers, and, and I know what it's like. And I would follow my older brothers. Mom, dad said, hey, follow, follow your brother. Do what your brother says. Yes. I, I would always do it until they started trying to act like they were my daddy. <laughs> yeah. All right? So he says here that whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, that goes back to my baptismal, my baptism, my pickling statement. So, so he baptized us. See, the pickle, the cucumber rather, in the pickling juice has, has really has drunk all the solution, absorbed it, has, has drunk it all. And so, so when you bite that pickle, you taste the solution. So, 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 no, go ahead and give Jesus a hand. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So, so, brothers, don't say, well, I was all right till they said that. Then they made me mad. Well, even if they, they bothered you, you know, Jesus ought to come out. You bite that pickle anywhere you want to on that, on that pickle, and, and, and that solution comes out. I'm talking to saved folks here. Amen, somebody. Amen. amen, somebody. And so, amen. I'll, I'll leave, jump over that part. Uh, Galatians 3.27 sort of, uh, sort of reiterates something and says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's talks, talking about like a garment. But I think I like, my, I like this, but I also like my, bapti my baptism, my pickling thing. All right? Listen, let me, let me read something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close. I value your time. I wrote this out because I wanted to kind of sum, give a summation of, of my message, so I'm going to give it prematurely, so I'll do it again on, on Wednesday. It says, when Christ went to the cross, he died for you, 
and he died as you. The result of that is that you died. Nothing can change that because death changes everything for the one who died. Therefore, you gained a new identity. You gained a new identity because you died a new life in his resurrection. Christ's resurrection became your resurrection. Why? Because he died. He died to the old. Therefore, you also died to the old you. And now your identity is and will always be in the resurrected Christ. He died to sin. Christ died to sin. I always had an issue with Paul. I thought, Paul, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Paul knew what he was talking about. I didn't know what he was talking about. Christ died to sin, the realm of sin. He died to sin. That is, his death took him out of the sphere, of the realm of sin. Sin and death no longer has power over Christ, nor does sin and death have power over you. You also died to sin and its mastery. You died over sin and, and its ability to master you. I got a word picture, I mean a, a picture in my head, a vision, not a vision from God, but can you imagine if somebody illegally incarcerated you and they were your master, you, you were a slave, and you found out that you were free and you walked up and said, you do this, out of my way, get out of my way. You, then you start to rule, reign. So you died to sin and its mastery as did Christ, same. Sin no longer has power over you as God himself has placed you in his son. Your new sphere, your new realm, again, is the, in the resurrected Christ. Sin can no longer dominate your life. It has no ability to do so. It has no ability to do so because Jesus broke sin's power through his death and resurrection. The best sin can do is pester you. It can't overpower you. It can't overpower you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to just say, I want to know him. Listen, why? You're going to exist forever, but you won't live forever. Christ offers you eternal life. Christ offers you eternal life. I mean, you can live eternal life with God. With God, the creator. You can live eternally with the uncreated life. Someone say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you're sitting here. You ought to believe it. You know why you're sitting here? This is what the psalmist says. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And one thing you know, you didn't make yourself. I'm going to ask you to think about coming to Jesus 
And if any, if any voice says, don't do that, you say, shut up. And I'm going to come back in a minute and offer you eternal salvation. Sister Stephanie. 